you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. As always, I'm excited to have a guest with me in studio today. This is someone who I have recently become acquainted with, and I was sharing with her just before the show that her story is particularly meaningful to me, and that's because I got my start in psychology in an area that she is very familiar with. So I want to introduce my guest. This is Haley Freeman. Hi, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio, Good. Haley. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I want to, as a, as a way of introduction, I'll, uh, I'll mention your book. Can we start there? Yeah, let's go for it. And then we'll come back to it. You wrote a book called A Future for Tomorrow. Right. And this is about your personal experience with anorexia. Right. So you can talk about this stuff? <laughs> I know people ask me, like, that's pretty personal. And, but um, I feel there's a great purpose in it and a need and, mm. and even an urgency to share my story. And yes. so that's where I get my strength, I guess. I, I need to get my story out there to help as many people as I can to avoid the heartbreak that I had. This is probably one of the most difficult experiences that a person can go through. Yeah, it's a trial. It's right up there. Yeah. You know, I I was sharing with you before the show, Haley, that um, years ago, when I uh, when I was just getting started in my career, in fact, I was I was in a process of going through school and trying to decide what am I going to major in, what am I going to do, right. and I had all kinds of options. And a friend of mine from high school had had just recently been hospitalized with bulimia. Yeah. Well. Which is a little different from anorexia, and we can talk about some of those differences sure, sure. if we want to today, but I had never heard of this before. Yeah. And it, the little I had heard about it seemed so foreign to me. It was I, I was at a point in in my understanding of all of this, like, well, just pick up the fork and eat. I know. What's the deal? I even had that impression before, years before I had my eating disorder. I remember mm-hmm. watching a a show on it on TV, and I'm like, just eat. What's the deal? Just eat. It's, it's that so, simple. It's so, yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and that was my experience with this friend. I went to visit her in the hospital, and uh, this is somebody I just really cared about a lot, and I was so puzzled with, what is it that you're going through here? Why, yeah. why are you in the hospital? What's going on? And she helped me to see a different side of this that I had never seen before. And she invited me to participate a little bit in some of the group therapy sessions she was doing there. And I got to see some psychologists in action. And that's something I had never really experienced. Yeah. And it piqued my interest. And as I, uh, that was really one of the triggering events for me. 
to choose the career that I chose. And I spent some time working on an eating disorders unit at the hospital and uh, have had several classes and things that that are related to eating disorders, but also some of the other things we work with in, in psychology. But this was a really seminal piece for me as I... Uh, saw that here's an area that has some deep meaning. Yeah. And the thing that surprised me and shocked me is it's not about eating. No. Yeah, that's one of my counselors. I remember him saying, we will never talk about food in here. And mm-hmm. I remember like, what? what? <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, it's, we're not going to ever even mention your weight. We're never going to talk about food. And I remember thinking, are you sure you're going to fix me? You know, <laughs> but it's true. That's, that's right. Yeah, we, went, we had to go a different route to get underneath what was causing the symptom of not eating. So can we start there, Haley? Would you just share with our listeners that little piece of your story to get us started off? Yeah. Where were you? And because you were at a point in your life where your life could have ended with yeah, this. It, I, yeah. Basically, the fact that I'm sitting here speaking coherently is a miracle. Um it started, I'll just tell you my little story here. I, it started when I was 15. I just started with little little seeds just were starting to be planted in my brain. Like A lot of it was from media. You hear advertisements mm-hmm. saying guilt-free, fat-free ice cream. So I started thinking, oh, you should feel guilty when you eat normal ice cream because guilt-free mm-hmm. ice cream was the fat-free ice cream. Right. And so I started feeling a lot of guilt about eating certain foods. Mm-hmm. And then I started feeling like, oh, maybe... This cute little boy over here that I had a crush on would like me more if I was thinner or, mm-hmm. you know, just little seeds like that. And, and even um, my dad, I had had a little bit of phobia about weight and I got the impression from him that if I was overweight that I'd maybe be, he wouldn't love me anymore or I'd be disappointing him. And, and just little yeah. things like that started. And, and um, so I started feeling guilty for eating ice cream, but then it started traveling to, you know, pizza to to just eating then it started getting to where just eating like bread or even an entire apple would make me feel so guilty and and feel like contaminated that mm. i was just like well if you're if you sin it felt like a sin so i'm like okay if you if you sin what do you do to fix it you repent which means not to do that behavior again right mm. so i'm like okay well i'm not going to eat that pizza again because that made me feel guilty i'm going to repent of it i'm not going to eat it again it's not worth it and so it just got wow. to where very, very, very little food was acceptable until mm-hmm. I, and uh, something I learned that your brain is made out of, I've heard 60% of fat. And mm. so what happens when you start starving your brain is it, you can't function any longer. And That's right. And so I had an extreme um, happening where my brain literally broke and I basically became psychotic. I didn't know who I was anymore. I was put in the hospital, unable to speak coherently. I couldn't connect thoughts, and I was delusional and hallucinating. Um, at that point, I couldn't even feed myself. I didn't even. I remember food being brought to me, but I couldn't process what I needed to do with it. And mm-hmm. and um, and at that point, I was I was so just crazy in my own world because my brain just was lacking the nutrients it needed. That they put me in the psychological department of the hospital. And, and mm-hmm. there they weren't meeting some of my um, medical things as well as they could in the other department of the hospital. But so my mom ended up having to stay in there with me and she would feed me and bathe me and brush my teeth and 
Like I would go on these rants where I just run around psychotic, you know, just screaming and not understanding where I was. And she would have to grab me and hold me and just basically as if I was an infant again, Mm. just because of the lack of nutrients. And so you're talking about the effect that it had on your mind and your behavior. And meanwhile, your body is just consuming itself. Right. My my liver and kidneys were um, had yeah had eaten themselves away basically and were failing. Mm-hmm. Um, my the lining of my stomach had been eaten away. So just the process of having food in my stomach was extremely painful because the lining had been all eaten away, mm-hmm. and my skin literally started to turn gray and started to die and flake off, and my hair was falling out in clumps, and mm-hmm. it was it was just horrific. I. And, you know, part of the disconnection in the mind is that it's about the food somehow. I remember so clearly being in some groups with with some of these ladies who were hospitalized. I say ladies, they're usually younger, younger adults or or later teens. Right. That's the most common. That's the majority, right. And uh, sitting in this group, and they're all severely underweight some of them were close to normal but on the light side sure and yet every one of them saw themselves as being too fat yeah like on my cover of my book there's Mm -hmm. a sketch of a woman that's clearly underweight looking into the mirror and the reflection showing a blimped out version of herself Mm -hmm. right the part that she sees right and even at one point i didn't actually see myself as fat anymore. I felt it was about feelings. I felt fat. And that's something I had to learn in counseling that fat is not a feeling. And so they had to direct me like, okay, when you say you feel fat, what are you really feeling? And I had to make those connections that I felt contaminated. I felt unworthy. Like for some reason I had this extremely low self-esteem. I felt like I was unworthy to eat food that had nutrition. I felt like I didn't deserve it. Mm. So it was more Mm -hmm. about that, like the feelings that I felt when I ate, more than actually thinking I was fat or needed to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And that feeling of not being good enough. Ex- yeah. Yep. Or adequate or lovable. Yep. Or whatever it is. Right. You got and, it. And then it's just this constant, desperate seeking for, for fulfillment of that feeling. Yeah, you're right. And, like you think, and there is some level of like about weight you think, Oh, if I weigh five pounds less or whatever, I'll feel better about myself. And that, that is how it started. But then it gets so addicting that there's just no way out. And it never works to lose the five pounds. No, you never find it. We'll be right back. When you cry, be sure. Dry your eyes Cause better days are sure to come This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative This best smelling book could change your life Forever, It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? 
This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Thank you for joining me for the Live on Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org, to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free Parental Power teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events or pick up powerful information products. Feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. So Haley, you were stuck. Right. You were dying. I was literally dying. My body was shutting down. And um, actually, when I entered the Center for Change, they told my parents that I was the worst case they had seen, the combination of physical and mental um, mm. problems. And they, And then at one point, when I was put in the hospital... I weighed 85 pounds, and I'm about 5'10", in a large bone structure, Uh-oh. so it was not good. And they, at that point, told my parents to prepare for me, for my death. Basically, they said, she's probably too far gone. These things are, are shutting down. Um, my mom said she just wouldn't accept it. She's like, no, nope, we're going to, you know, she, mm-hmm. she believed in miracles, and we definitely had a bunch on our behalf, and, mm-hmm. and um, I was meant to to get better and hopefully help some people with this. And, and I did get, I did get better and that's what I'm doing now. I'm out there public speaking Mm -hmm. and firesides and. Well, you wrote your book and you're sharing a message of hope. That's right. That's, that's right. Hope. Thanks for bringing that up. I, I feel like a lot of people with eating disorders feel like it's a life sentence Mm -hmm. that they'll never get over it. Cause, Mm -hmm. and I'm here to say you can get over it. It's been actually 13 years now. Fantastic. Since I was at, you know, I was, like we mentioned, I was actually near death. I actually was so close to death, I had a glimpse. But that's in my book. So, Haley, now you never have any self-doubts, and you never have any... (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, I'm saying that jokingly. But you know what? Underneath all of these very sometimes shocking symptoms... Yeah. Underneath all of that are some very basic, very common principles... Right, and I want to I want to open that up and just invite you to talk about what's underneath it. Yeah, um, there there is an, a fundamental underlining issue of mm-hmm. self esteem, self worth, feeling mm. like you're not good enough. Um, like I I feel like there's so much potential in our women. Well, anybody, but our young women have such a divine worth inside them, and if they could find that, it'd prevent not only eating disorders but other addictions and. As a psychologist, mm-hmm. I'm sure you see that so many problems that if they just knew the value of themselves, that 
it would prevent. And Oh, yeah. And I've had people read my book that have other problems, addictions to drugs and are, are overeating, that they feel like, you know, that they're a compulsive eating and that my book's helped because they feel the same underlining problems. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like we were talking about just before the break. Sometimes the thinking is, oh, I'm just not good enough. But if I could lose those five pounds, and right, then I would be good enough. Right, and right. you won't. That won't satisfy so you. So you lose the five pounds, and then what? And you're still as empty as ever. You still don't feel, and, and so, you, and the psychotic part of it is, well, maybe another five. Another pounds five will, pounds, right? We'll do it, and then, and then I will feel good. Right, and I remember even thinking I was extremely depressed. I mean, I think rarely mm-hmm. you have eating disorders without depression. I think that's true. And um, and I was it was the same thing. Like I was fifteen, I was thinking, oh, when I'm sixteen, I'll be happy, you know. Or you you can't do that. Yeah. But I I mean, with my situation, I needed to get on. I had you know the depression that didn't need to be treated chemically. Um, I think the main message for anyone suffering is to need to know they do need to see professional help. Because at mm-hmm. one point I was, when I was, when I finally, I want to share a story with you. I, okay. I was, um, I was feeling myself die. I was feeling myself literally shutting down. And mm-hmm. I remember I was taking a shower and the exertion of the movements, I could feel my heart just struggling to beat. And I knew then that it was at the point where I was going to die. And I... I looked in the mirror for the, one of the first times in a long time because I didn't. I hated myself so deeply. I didn't want to even see you my didn't reflection. Didn't even want to look. Right, mm-hmm. and so f- I had covered the mirrors for months, so I would never have to see my reflection. And mm. at this point, I I let myself see myself, and it was so scary. I mean, my body was protruding bones everywhere, and my face just was a sunken skeleton, and veins were popping out because there was nothing to cover even the veins from my head, forehead, and cheekbones, and and I collapsed on the floor in a ball of tears, crying and praying that if he would let me live through that moment, live through that, mm-hmm. that day, that I would get help. And before then, mm-hmm. I thought I could do it myself. Mm. I, That's one of the traps, isn't it? Right. I, I knew I was needing help before that, but I was too stubborn to admit that I needed to go anywhere to get the help. I thought I could do it myself. Mm. And at that point, when I literally felt myself dying is when I finally went to my parents and said, okay, I'll let you help me now. And it had been months and months of battling with them, trying to get me help. But mm-hmm. I finally got to the point where I knew it. I knew it. And that was a key for my recovery, is I had such a desire to get better. And I knew at that point that I needed professional help to do it. Why do we do that, Haley? <laughs> You know, we get it in our heads that somehow we have to do it on our own, or some somehow there's a, there's honor in handling it yourself. Yeah, you know, and that's just goofy thinking. I know. What on earth do we do by ourselves anyway? I, I had a client in my office just a week ago, and we were talking about this, and and uh, he said, "Well, I want to be able to do it myself," and I said, "Like what? Like getting dressed? Do you get <laughs> dressed by yourself?" And he said, "Yeah, I do that." Really? With what? <laughs> well, my clothes. Where did you get those? Yeah. You know, and when it comes right down to it, we're, we're not living in isolation here. No. There are other people making our clothing. 
That's right. <laughs> uh, building our homes, you know, we rely on each other for almost everything. Yeah. And then when it comes to something like this and we think, well, I should be able to do that myself, you yeah. know, depression, anxiety, yeah. eating disorders. What makes that any different? Yeah. You I mean, use that... the gifts and talents and resources of everybody all around you. Right. And you're much better off. And you got to that point. Right. And I, I did have to hit rock bottom and before I realized that. And, and I almost died from it. And that's one of the messages mm. I want to give you guys now. If there's anyone suffering or any of your children suffering, don't let them hit that rock bottom. Let them, we need to get that into their minds that they do need, they need help. And you know, because you were a teenager who was not ready oh, to receive help. I was extremely stubborn. <laughs> and, and What can parents do? Um, it's hard when your child has an eating disorder at that point, because you're going to have to expect confrontation. You have to expect they're going to be in denial. They're going to get angry. But you can't give up on them. You need to educate yourself, first of all. I think my parents were... They had no clue what an eating disorder was. They hadn't learned about it in their generation. And they thought, you know, oh, let's just, you know, get some meat on those bones and we'll go, you know. And they had to really learn about the seriousness of it. And and I'd heard maybe you can tell me if this is true, that it's one of the hardest psychological problems to treat, anorexia. Mm, it's tough. Because it has so many different... I, I was told it was called the ten-headed monster. Mm-hmm. There's about 10 issues or triggers about that you need to treat to get mm-hmm. over it. And, and so the, once they learned that and the seriousness of it, and it wasn't a phase, then they were able to be, you know, more influential about getting me help and know mm-hmm. the seri- and more understanding of what I was going through. But just, I would tell the parents not to give up. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, you mentioned the self-esteem right. as one of the fundamental underlying issues Right. And I think that's very common in a lot of the psychological struggles that we have as human yeah. beings. It, it kind of boils down to a few basic things, and that's one of them. Right. What have you learned about self-esteem and well, ba- self-worth? Basically, what I had to do to save myself, to, I had to change the inner dialogue in my, in my mind. I had for so many years, this was my inner dialogue. You're so fat. You're so ugly. You're not worth anything. Oh, you can't do anything right. Oh, you're not good enough. You know? And I had to catch myself. I had to consciously be aware of my thoughts. Mm. And once I caught myself saying, you're so ugly, I needed to, I had to stop it. And mm-hmm. then I had to say the opposite. And I think there's great power in positive thinking and, and telling yourself. And even if I didn't believe it at first, I had to say, mm-hmm. you know what? You're okay. You're pretty. You're, you're worth something. You have divine worth. You're loved. You're good. You're worth something. Mm-hmm. And like I said, even if you don't believe it at first, you keep doing it. And you tell yourself again and again. And there's power in it. And that's literally what changed my mindset after doing it and working with counselors. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would challenge you out there today to do is look yourself in the mirror and and tell yourself, I love you. You are okay. You are good enough. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that it's easy to have that level of compassion and kindness and understanding for others? You're right. And then it gets a little tough when it's all about me. I know. Why is that? You know what? <laughs> There's a lot of reasons for that. It, and it boils down to because you're inside of your own skin, mm-hmm. you feel like you're a special case. Huh. And that's probably the most common problem that we suffer as human beings, the special case syndrome. Interesting. And then I want to... 
comment a little bit more about the self-esteem as we come back from this next break. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. This week's idea comes from a science professor in Germany who believes he can solve a global problem. Snoring. Yes, snoring is a topic that causes millions to cringe. What would happen to the world if a solution was presented that could stop snoring? German scientist Darius Bazargani has invented a pillow that reduces the impact snoring has on others in the home. So before you smack your bed partner one more time, listen to this. The pillow has many air chambers and a computer that can cause the air chambers to reduce or enlarge. The computer also can detect the sounds of snoring. So if the computer detects any unwanted snoring sounds, it moves the person's head until it finds a position that stops the snoring. The computerized pillow is actually a simple product. But the results are music to the ears of many. Professor Bazargani had this idea after attempting several products to stop his own snoring. Now he is on a mission to provide peace in the sounds of the night. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it. I thought of it a moment. In a time of drastic change, it is the learners who inherit the future. The learned usually find themselves equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. Eric Hoffer. that I wanted to follow up on this self-esteem idea. This is something that comes up quite a bit for me here in my office. And uh, I've become convinced that poor self-esteem is actually a problem with pride. Yeah, I want you to tell me more about that. That sounds interesting. <laughs> this, well, and you'll recognize this as we get into it because you have an opinion about, about yourself, right? Right. So like you were saying, your self-talk previously right. was all about, oh, you are terrible, right. you're inadequate, you're too fat, you're right. not good enough. Okay. That's your opinion. Or it was. Yeah, right. Thankfully, it's not anymore. No. <laughs> well, what if my opinion is, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're talented, you're right. fabulous. Okay. So maybe I have that opinion. Right. At the same time that you have the other opinion. Well, who's right? Yeah. 
I was thinking maybe somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, well, probably, right? The truth lies yeah. in there. But you've got your opinion, I've got mine. And if you cling to your own opinion and insist that you're right, even in the face of someone else having a different opinion, well, okay, let's take it another step because I know you're a very spiritual person yeah. and this was part of your healing. Yes, it was. Does God have an opinion about you? Yeah. About your worth? He does. About who you really are? He does. And, and I think that I said before that <coughs> that could be a real key in people healing is tapping into that. I, I, I will often tell people to pray to fill your self-worth. Pray to fill what your value is. Mm-hmm. Pray to that, you know, Heavenly Father God will tell you and let you fill your worth and who you are. Because I think that's where the eternal truth is. That's where the truth of your mm-hmm. value is. So if your Heavenly Father has an opinion about your worth, and I happen to believe that He does, right. and you cling to your own opinion and say, no, I'm right. <laughs> and in fact, I'm more right than God. Yeah. Does that sound like pride now? It does, huh? It is. Yeah. You got me. <laughs> and that's why I think it's a pride issue. But, you know, we don't always identify it as such. And so it's almost like this false sense of humility. You know, like yep. there's there's something righteous about clinging to your own sick opinion of yourself. I And I do think as a teenager, I was very confused with the line of being humble and being pr- proudful, mm-hmm. being good self-esteem. Like I, you know, like I thought like, oh, being... Being, thinking good about myself is pride. Right. And so I thought, oh, I can't feel great about myself because that's prideful. And then you feel guilty. Yeah, about, that's true. Yeah. When you realize that it's, it's actually a bigger problem with pride to beat yourself up yeah. and to cling to a negative opinion about yourself because you know that your Heavenly Father's opinion You're right. is very high. Yeah, it outweighs mine. His, in fact, <laughs> I believe in the scriptures, it declares your worth to be great. Yeah. In God's opinion. Yeah. Okay. So anything other than that, if you cling to it and think that you're right, yeah. that's pride. Yeah. So true humility, I think, is when you when your own opinion more closely matches truth. It's beautiful. Or God's opinion. Yep. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So wow, what if we could really believe that? <laughs> You know, if we really believed about ourselves, what our Heavenly Father believes about us, or if if you struggle with that particular concept, think about the people in your life who love you the most, the most unconditionally. Yeah. Okay? And it might be your parents. It might be a dear friend of yours. It might be a spouse. Mm-hmm. Or think about the own, the love that you have for your children. Yeah. And then... Apply that in the same context. And your opinion about your child, for example, you've got children now, right? I do. Haley? I have three. Oh. Yeah, six, three, and a, and a three-month-old. And as you look at them, <laughs> you, you look at your little three-month baby. Yeah. Okay? Is there anything that's unacceptable? Oh, no. <laughs> no. And you Beautiful. can see that about someone else. Yeah. Put yourself in that baby's position. Yeah. You know? And, and that's what I want to invite you listeners to do, is just to consider, okay, what is my opinion? And am I open to the fact that those who love me the most or who know me the best 
have a different opinion, and maybe that's closer to the truth. Yeah, I like that. Especially if that person is God. Yeah, (laughs) you can't argue there. (laughs) That's one thing. I have a blog, and I like to dedicate it to, to this, to spread this message to people. And I have... I try to put um, exercises on there once a week or so that that help you build your self-esteem because it's like, okay, that maybe a listener is like, okay, I believe in your concept, but how how do I do that? Mm -hmm. And so I've tried to find different resources and put on my blog once a week or so an assignment of something that you could do to help improve your self-esteem. So since you've mentioned that, give us the address of your blog too so that our listeners can go check that out. Um, Yeah, I actually have a website. That is where you could order order my book, and that's afuturefortomorrow.com. And then the blog okay. where I do the, uh, like in all my other stuff, is afuturefortomorrow.blogspot.com. Okay. So all they really have to remember is afuturefortomorrow.com yeah. or, or .blogspot.com. Right. And we'll put those links up on our yeah. site too so that, so that you listeners can get to that. And I would highly encourage you... To go pick up Haley's book. It's also sold at Deseret Book. Okay. So they can go there. Um, If it's not in stock, they can order it. But you can also order it on their website. So DeseretBook.com. And if you can't remember the name of my book, just type in Anorexia and it should pop it right up. And you'll find it that way. Yep. We'll put some links up for that too. That'd be great. And then Amazon too. so. So we're getting to some of the practical steps that we can take. In terms of self esteem, when you mentioned self talk, I think you really nailed it there with one of the first steps, and that is to notice right. that you're doing it. Awareness. Mm-hmm. You bet. Sometimes those thoughts in our own mind, we don't even pay attention to them as being dialogue because we think it's just us. Yeah. And these thoughts, now this is an interesting concept. I'll just throw this by you. Sure. Thoughts have energy. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And energy always has a source. Yeah. So these thought, you can be going along minding your own business and suddenly a thought just pops into your head. Well, where did it yeah. come from? Yeah. Sometimes those thoughts will come from something in your environment, like a billboard. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't thinking about getting a new home mortgage, and now I'm thinking about that because I just saw the billboard that says get a new home mortgage. Yeah. Okay. So thoughts are triggered by something. And I believe that there are multiple sources of our thoughts. Yeah. Okay. It's almost like the little cartoons where they have the little shoulder angel and the shoulder yeah. devil, <laughs> you know, and one's whispering to you, yeah. oh, you can't do anything and you stink. And the other one's whispering, oh, you're so wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Don't you hear both? Yeah. You have influence everywhere bombarding you. When you start noticing that and noticing that your self-talk is creating some kind of energy within you. You bet. And there's a choice. Right. So you said it feels a little awkward. It feels a little almost like you're lying to yourself at first. Right. So what do you do? You do it anyway. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Just do it. Get over that. Yeah. And do it anyway. Yep. It works. There is, like I said, there is power in it. There's power in being positive. Mm -hmm. There's power in words and thoughts. I agree. You know what? I had a good friend who's also an author who shared this con this concept with me that she she was telling herself, "I am a national best selling author." Huh? This is before she'd ever published a book. Wow! 
okay? And the way she got to that was through the concept of telling the truth in advance. Huh. And that's kind of a neat little thought. Yeah. If you don't think it's true right now, then just tell the truth in advance. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Does that help a little? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of a, a powerful way to just move yourself beyond some of the barriers. Sure. Where you get hung up and you don't think that you can actually think differently than you do. But yeah. you can. It's a choice. I'd like to um, steer this towards the parents as an example to your children. Yeah, let's go there. Because like, if you want your children to have good self-esteem, you definitely need to start with yourself. And if you want to prevent eating disorders with your, with your children, one of the things I've learned is modeling healthy eating behavior. I've learned that the statistics show that if you diet, um, your, your teen is more likely to have an eating disorder than not. If you're dieting or if you have an eating disorder, then your teen, your, especially your daughter's, are more likely to, likely to emulate that, and they will learn their behavior from you. Uh, and uh, I have a wonderful mother, but she definitely uh, modeled a few behaviors that weren't the best there, and I could continue telling you that in a moment. Yeah, let's, let's keep talking about how the parents can help okay. when we come back. thanks. You know, in today's world, people have become much more conscious of their health and wellness. Finding new and effective ways to combat the effects of disease, aging, and poor nutrition is more important than it ever has been as we look to improve our own life and the lives of those we love. Hi, I'm Micah Kagi, and a few short years ago, I discovered a company called Kayani. Kayani is a rapidly growing nutritional supplement company that is marketing in over 20 countries. Kayani's products combine the nutritional benefits of well-known superfruits with Nobel Prize-winning research and breakthrough science. Not only does Kayani help to improve health and wellness of families, but through the amazing business opportunity that it offers, people like me have been able to create financial freedom. Kayani has the power to change your life, regardless of where you are or what your needs may be. Whether you are new to network marketing or a seasoned veteran, you will find that Kayani has what you've been looking for a well-financed, growing company with proven management to generate immediate income and the potential to allow normal people like you and I to succeed if we are willing to put forth the time and effort. Kayani is a proud sponsor of Live On Purpose Radio. To learn more or to join our exciting team, please visit the website, drpaul.kayani.net. That's D-R-P-A-U-L dot K-Y-A-N-I dot net. Haley, we got something started in as as a parent. I'm constantly on the lookout for what can I do to best serve and assist my kids right. to live their life on purpose and, I think and it, to not get stuck in... Well, the eating disorder is one example sure. of the many things that could get them stuck, but that's one you have particular uh, right. experience with. So continue what you were yeah, saying you, there about the need, parents. You need to start with yourself for sure. Um, little signals that you can send to your, your kids without even knowing it. 
um, my mom would always, for a picture, bring say, go in front of me, you know, cover me up. And and as, oh. and as a child, I'd think, okay, she's ashamed of her body. She wants to cover it up. She doesn't want it to be photographed. And so you, you make conscious, you know, unconscious um, connections that you should be ashamed of your body or something wasn't good enough about her body and you want to emulate your parents. Mm. So if we're all heading to the pool for an afternoon right. and, and, and mom, mom says, Nope, I'm not getting in a swimming suit. No way am I going to do a swimming suit to show my body. Right. Then you think, oh, I should be ashamed of my body too. As a little, as a, you know, growing Whoa. up. Haley, this is tough. Yeah. This is tough. What if, <laughs> what if I, as a parent, really am ashamed of my body? <laughs> well, you got to work inside first because your little thing, you know, you'll give it away. Your kids will catch on. You got to fix it first. It's not like you can hide that. You just can't. You just can't. And what are you really saying? Are you saying that anyone whose body looks even remotely similar to mine is unacceptable? Right. And you, and like I was saying, my I love my mom to death. And if you read my book, you'll see what an amazing woman she is and an oh, amazing mother. She's but, been a huge resource for you. Oh, too. and she she's literally saved my life. But she has. Uh, I I learned to put myself down because I heard her put herself down constantly. Mm. She was always commenting about. You know, if it wasn't just her way, it was about herself. Somehow she'd say, oh, I, oh, I can't do anything right. I've messed this up. And, and so I've caught on to that because, you know, you want to emulate your parents. You think, oh, in my mind, she is perfect. And if, and if she's saying that she's this lesser of a thing, and I'm so much lesser than her, then mm. where am I on this scale? Yeah. You know, so as a parent, don't ever let your kids hear yourself put you, yourself down. Yeah. And, and I want to put it even a step further than that, because yes, not letting them hear that from you is one level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But getting, like you said, working from the inside out, yeah. getting to the point where you feel good right. about yourself. What's it going to take? Right. And how long are you going to wait right. to get the kind of assistance or help that will get you there? It's just not worth feeling so miserable all the and time. And there's a quote I love, like, if you, you know, you do everything for your children and, and you think, um, maybe you don't feel like you should do it for you if you're feeling less of value, but do it for them. Do it for your children's mother. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then another thing uh, on preventing eating disorders that I found is um, try not to give too many compliments about physical appearance to your kids. Like mm-hmm. focus. I mean, it's, it's okay to say, "Oh, you look beautiful today," but focus on um, other things like their accomplishments and and how smart they are, or 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 their efforts. Even like try to compliment mm-hmm. on non physical things as much as you can, so they don't learn that all their value is on a physical trait or on their mm-hmm. appearance. And that's true of of pretty much any area. You don't want it all to be about schoolwork, for example. Either. Right. That's but true. having a nice balance of just who you are. You are fantastic, and I yeah. love you for who you are. Right. You know, without any strings attached, whether they're physical or any anything else. It. Re- you know what? You said something earlier in the uh, in the show, Haley, about how in our society, yeah, I think that there's a real tendency toward overemphasizing the physical appearance, yeah, the glamour, the flash, yeah. You know, and and usually. The people that you see 
in advertisements or on billboards or in magazines are not real. No, they're airbrushed. Big time. Yeah. I've heard interviews where they're sitting there and they're showing a picture of their themselves on a cover of a magazine. Like, I wish I looked like that. That's, you know, that's airbrushed. <laughs> and I, I speak to a lot of high schools and middle schools, and that's what I use in my presentation. I show them before and after airbrushed pictures. And I'm like, you're chasing something that's not real. Yeah. It's not real. And even the models... Yeah. For them to say, I wish I looked like that. <laughs> yeah, there we As go if again. They're not okay how they are. <laughs> I know. There we go again. Yeah. It's too bad. Wow. And it's something that I've found really interesting lately, I have come upon lots of young women that are young mothers, I should say, that mm-hmm. have been prompted and to get this message out of, of the of divine worth and, and individual uniqueness to teenagers right now. I, I've been blown away. There is a need right now for the youth to have self-esteem and to know their value. And like I said, I've just am blown away. So many people I'm meeting, they're like, I just have this urgency. I need to speak. And they are out there speaking in schools and, you know, firesides. And there's, we need to work on the youth to learn their individual worth. While you're on that, Haley, I know that you do some speaking and yeah. some presenting and things like that. Is there a way through your website that people can contact you if they have a group or... Yes. Or... Uh, a venue where it would be appropriate to bring you in yes. to share your story. Yes, you can go on a futurefortomorrow.com. There's a whole section okay. on my uh, under speak, speak, public speaking. Click on that. It'll tell you, like, broken down exactly what I do, what kind of venues I do. Okay, and then you can email me. There's a contact form on there. And then you can just straight email me, a futurefortomorrow at gmail.com. So, and, okay. and I do book clubs also, book clubs. Mm-hmm. And the big thing right now I'm doing is girls' camps. Oh, yeah. And that is usually the most spiritual, most powerful experiences I have are girl camps. Mm-hmm. So that's, I want to put that out there. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to make sure our listeners have a way to get in touch with you. Thank and you. And you do have, we haven't really emphasized this much, Haley, but I know you have a very spiritual take on this. Yeah. And that this journey for you included a lot of spiritual connection. And so, especially if your group is... Uh, coming together for reasons that are based right. in spirituality or religion. Those are right. contexts where you feel very comfortable speaking. Right. I, I, okay. I do it all from, you know, medical, very secular to, you know, very spiritual side of it. And so I can do it all. But um, I, yeah, absolutely can't deny like some pretty, pretty crazy miracles happen in my behalf. And, and I've been able to write them, you know, respectfully and um, in my book. And, and they're very sacred and that's mm-hmm. why I, I, I'm not going to get into it today because they are so sacred. Some of the experiences I had, like I said, I, I did okay. have a little glimpse of the other side there. So mm-hmm. I do want to share that um, in my book with you guys, though. And that's part of what really drives you now. You bet. Because I sense that there's a strong purpose. Yeah. For And you know what? This is, this is a really neat concept that I want all of you listeners to consider, too. Because just think of the hardest, most difficult stuff in your life. And then consider for a moment that there is some divine purpose for you to have gone through that experience. Yeah, Yeah, I would never change what I went through because Mm. it's brought me where I am now and who I am. And I know that uh, an important part of recovery is to find a passion for anybody. Mm -hmm. And I was able to find two passions. Uh, One is to share my story. Mm-hmm. And then another one is actually sign language, but that's totally different. Oh. I'm a sign language interpreter and Fantastic. that's a totally different route, but, but it's mm-hmm. important to heal, to find a passion. Mm-hmm. It's 
very important. And that brings a lot of purpose to your life and keeps it's it's the fuel in the fire in the fire. Yeah. You know, that just keeps the engine running so that you can keep going forward if you have a strong purpose. And then it helps. Passion. Yeah, it helps uh, divert your energy in a positive place instead of focusing. Because mm-hmm. especially with eating disorders, you're obsessed with food. What I ate, what am I going to eat? What, you know, counting calories, counting, you know, you're absolutely obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And if you find a passion, I think it helps divert your energy to something else. Sure. And so I think that's really key in, in healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Haley, we have about a minute left. Okay. And as we wrap this up, what's the bottom line for you? What is it that your message to to our listeners about just what you've gained from this whole experience? Wow. Um, I think far as someone who's suffering, I need them to know that you need to get professional help. And I know that it feels like eating disorder becomes part of your identity and you feel like, who am I mm-hmm. if I'm not anorexic? But trust me that you want to leave this behind and that trust me to know that there's a life more beautiful and fabulous out there. I was in the depths of depression where I wanted to die because I didn't feel like there was any hope or joy in this life. But I'm here to tell you there is. And you can leave this disease behind forever and you can let it go mm. and you can experience great joy in this life and you're a great example of that thank you to to get the full story again the book is called a future for tomorrow and that's all you have to remember to get to Everything. Haley. yeah uh, her <laughs> website is a future for tomorrow.com yeah there's a blog at a future for tomorrow.blogspot.com mm-hmm. uh, you can pick up the book there we'll post some links on our uh, site as well so that people thank can you. get to that Haley, thank you so much for joining me at Live On Purpose Radio. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a fantastic conversation. Everybody go out there and live on purpose.